To another Wednesday night at Stratford Games, a sports, a lot of sports on the table. Talked about I'd like to welcome our, our roundtable discussion always from from Tampa Bay area, Mr. Frank Carroll from Tampa Bay area, Mr. Roy Cummings in, in Philadelphia, Mr. Roger Hendler, and also from the uh, sports time between 
Sarasota, and also up in up the Jersey Shore. Mr. Don Henderson, gentlemen, good evening. It has been a crazy day in sports, but I like this one thing: hockey during hockey during a Wednesday afternoon. We can't beat this hockey season. Most of us are working in the afternoon, Tommy. <laughs> well, I, I <laughs> well, I know, but it, well, let me just let me just throw it in because I'll tell you, Tommy, you know, and I know, and Frank knows, I don't work, so so I had a chance <laughs> to see every minute of the every minute of the game this afternoon, and uh, it, it was great. To, it was great to see because uh, uh, unbelievably, uh, you know, the Flyers jumped out to a quick three nothing lead, and it looked like they were going to coast home. <laughs> And before you know it, they're in overtime. And uh, but for fortunately, uh, fortunately they got a win because if they had lost two games in a row going into Game Three, uh, it could nope. have been a long series. So I think this might be a lifesaver. This basketball. The only thing I, only thing I disagree with a little bit uh, were the three stars of the game. I thought Hayes uh, may have been. Uh, I, I know uh, you know. Uh, goal th- the guy that scores a winning goal normally gets to be the number one star, which happened this afternoon. But I, I thought Hayes played a tremendous, tremendous game. I think he did. I think you're right. What about Carter Hart? I didn't see the game. I'm sorry. I didn't see the game. It, it was a bad game for Hart? <clears throat> no, no, I don't think so it was. Um, no, no, absolutely fact, not. He made, a, he made a couple of really sparkling saves when they needed them. Uh, uh, it's just the, the uh, Flyers broke out to an early lead, and uh, the Islanders kind of bounced back a little bit. And uh, um, No, I thought Hart played very well, to be honest. And, um, yeah, I agree with you, Don. I, I thought uh, uh, Kevin Hayes deserved a star. He had two goals right off the top, and without him, uh, they probably don't win that game. I understand, you know, Phil Myers gets the, the game winner there. But, um, no, and, and Kevin Hayes, I mean, let's face it, uh, this is a group Hayes, Couturier, who also had a goal today. Uh, Giroux, this group has really struggled to put the puck in the net through the playoffs here. And uh, so, you know, the fact that they're starting to get a little bit of uh, more contribution from those guys, really important. So, yeah, I thought uh, I thought Kevin Hayes uh, certainly deserved to uh, to be one of the stars. But, hey, you can only pick three. And uh, it, was easy to, it was easy to find six or eight stars out of that game today because yeah. it was a well-played game. Well, the game number two, and and it was, I say, it was a terrific game. And answer Roger's question uh, in the end, uh, really uh, goaltending saved them because boy, there were a couple of bullets. Not only to tie the, not only to tie the score three three. I mean, he saved them two or three times before that with outstanding saves. And uh, so, uh, I don't know. I, I I just thought that, as you said. Roy, I thought that the two goals sort of took precedent over because it got the it got them off right to a right off right out of the gate. It got them going in big shape. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll say this. You know, going into this series, I, you know, I think a lot of people looked at the Flyers as probably one of the the bigger surprises we've seen in the playoffs here so far, and uh, it's hard to argue that point. But you know, you've got a surprise in the Islanders too. Um, I don't think anybody really saw the Islanders being as uh, dominant as they were against Washington and then come out and basically do the same thing again in uh, game one against Philadelphia, which uh, again, Philadelphia have been playing extremely well, even though they weren't getting the contributions from their top scorers. Um, they were still, uh, you know, playing very good hockey and obviously earned the top seed. And, uh, you know, so here the Islanders come and they're just playing exceptional hockey right now. And for right. them to come back 
uh, that that's a team to watch. And uh, they are playing as good as any team in the East right now. Uh, the Lightning are still kind of trying to find their way a little bit. They've uh, been very fortunate in overtime. Uh, the Bruins, I think they're a little bit in that group too, trying to find their way a little, especially with Halak and Nets. But um, the Islanders have certainly found their stride. And uh, it's going to be tough for Philadelphia to keep up with. That's going to be a special series all the way through. I can easily see that one go in seven games. Two things right before everybody jumps in, and, and, and let's go back to the first game because a little bit deceiving, uh, the fact that it was a four nothing score. Uh, you know, it it it, it really wasn't four nothing. It was really one nothing into the late third period, and then it bang bang bang, and then an open net uh, for the fourth. But uh, I thought – or over goal, I should say, uh, for the fourth goal. And I thought the other thing that maybe you'd comment on, uh, Trotz made a, a big decision quick on his goaltender. He didn't wait today. He he went down 3 nothing, and that was goodbye. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's done a great job of coaching. It, it's You know, sometimes you just, you just got to go with your gut and you say, hey, you know what, I need this team to kind of wake up a little bit, and it worked. You know that, that that's usually uh, more often than not when a when a coach changes a goaltender after a start like that it's usually not on the goaltender. Um, sometimes it is. I would say today it was not. I think that was kind of a wake up call to the rest of the team saying, "Hey, uh, we we got to help this guy out a little bit, and uh, right. you're not going to help him out. We're going to put somebody else in there." And uh, and, I, and I think the wake up call uh, worked for sure because mm-hmm. uh, I mean obviously it did because they got right back into it. And, uh, you know, gave him a little bit of jump. Not that the Islanders, uh, you know, have struggled for that. But uh, today was a little bit di- different. I, I think they, I think right away Barry Trotz sensed the momentum uh, coming from Philadelphia. Once uh, Hayes had those two goals, uh, I think he kind of felt like, hey, this could get out of hand hur- in a hurry here because uh, Philadelphia was really playing, uh, I'd say, one of his better games uh, uh, of, the, uh, of the playoffs. I would agree. I think the other thing is that uh, – before you jump in, Tommy, uh, you know, okay. when he did change goaltenders, <laughs> he, he saved 20 out of 21. Unfortunately, the 21st was the game winner. But, I mean, he, yeah. he stepped right in, and he was big-time goaltender. I mean, he did a terrific job. And the, and the, and the winning goal, uh, I don't know whether you fellas had a chance to get out of work in time to see it. I mean, it was a puck. A, the puck bounced. It was almost like a shot to shortstop that uh, went over <laughs> the shortstop's glove. I mean, what a what a clear shot! It jumped fast off the ice and into the goal. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah, guys, it was it was a bit of a, it was almost like a dump in from the point. It wasn't re- it wasn't a real hard shot or anything like that. Uh, Phil Meyer from the right point, just trying to get something on net, and it, it hit Anders Lee uh, about uh, ten feet away from him, and took a bounce, and then took another bounce, and uh, uh, wound up going into the net. It, it was one of those you can't blame the goaltender on. It's just one of those pucks that. Uh, you know, just it's going to find its way into the net sometimes, and this one did. So, hey, you know what? you got to win games like that sometimes, and uh, right. Flyers are fortunate to do it, that's for sure. The one thing I didn't like about Tommy, NBC guys – Tommy, you're up there, Tommy. Oh, uh, uh, the only thing I didn't like about NBC, when they showed the Flyers – okay, the Flyers beat the Islanders in 75, you know, so there a couple other – you know, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And they showed that one picture of Bobby Nystrom. Guys, you remember that? He was he was offside when he scored a game winning goal in the Islanders hit the game winning cup in the nineteen eighty. That was oh. That well, was another thing about that, Tommy, I, that was the first thing I thought about uh, right. when that when they decided from a coaching staff standpoint 
to question uh, whether or not uh, he did have a toe or the stick on the blue line. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, they, they, I guess they have all kinds of camera angles. You couldn't really right. tell from the from the replays we had on on home video, but they must have had a better replay. But I was surprised, as the announcers were, who know a hell of a lot more than I do, that he would take a chance like that and and you know give them a power play for the last minute and forty seconds. Uh, of the of the regulation, I, two things surprised me. But as soon as they and it was, you know, as you point out, it was that crazy offside that wasn't an offside that cost the <laughs> Flyers years ago. That's you know, right. I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, the the video uh, engineers or the the video uh, coaches, I think that's what some of them call them. Uh, Nigel Kerwin here in Tampa is one of them. Yes, uh, these are some of the unsung heroes of the playoffs because. Uh, they have caught some uh, some incredible uh, offsides. I mean, literally, I mean, literally by inches, they have caught guys offsides in a couple of games. Lightning caught uh, somebody the other day. Bruins caught one uh, on the Lightning last night. Um, it, it, it's really uh, those guys have become. Uh, there's a story there, and uh, how those guys are so quick to to see those uh, those offsides plays. Um, they're rolling back tape in a hurry and, uh, and getting that message out to their coaches on the bench to to, to challenge it because uh, most of them win them. I mean, you've seen a couple where they've missed. But uh, like the one that the Lightning lost on, lost last night from the Bruins side, holy mm-hmm. cow, I mean, it was literally just inches uh, away from being uh, onside. And uh, for guys to catch that, that, that's a talent. That's a talent all on its own. Yes. Uh, I think was that way today, too. too. Yeah, I think they sure. caught uh, in the in the uh, Montreal uh, Flyers series. I think Montreal had a goal taken away because of a uh, great camera shot on uh, on, on an offside. As <laughs> did Tampa last night. So uh, yes, it, 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 I'll tell you, it's become a weapon in the league, and and you bet you've got to have somebody who's good at it. Uh, I don't know what Nigel Kerwin's making. He's been there forever with the with the Lightning. He's one of yeah. the original. Uh, you know, eight or nine or ten people that were in that organization way back when it uh, it first uh, set up camp on Kennedy Boulevard here in Tampa. But uh, he deserves a big raise and a bonus because uh, he's been doing a great job himself. And like I say, a lot of the others are doing in the same position are doing the same thing. Roger, I know you made arrangements for uh, Tommy to come on with us, uh, Tom Lemaine, uh, in the in the uh, eight o'clock hour. And of course, uh, nobody is closer to the Flyers right now, and then Tom, he sees all the games and works the games and so forth. I'll be very interested in the next half hour, some of his observations on the pluses and minuses. It was all, it was all Flyers in the first period that was sort of a little bit even up in the second, and then it was, you know, all lightning in the third, or all, uh, fly, uh, uh, you know, it was all in the, in the third period, it all went the other way. The Islanders did everything right. So I'll be interested mm-hmm. what he has to say as well. Well, the only thing is, I didn't uh, coordinate it. Our uh, league commander, Mr. Carroll, took care of it. It was just an idea <laughs> I had. That was it. <laughs> oh, okay. Ideas hey, with a million dollars, Roger. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I have a question for everybody. What do you? What's the story uh, about all these major league games uh, uh, being uh, stopped? You know, not played tonight. Uh, because of uh, this NBA player. Well, you, you got to respect the, 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 the family, but what, what the NBA is doing, they're taking away all the all the playoff games, guys. And this is what the, the NBA is called to make the money off those playoff 
off the, on TV and that. I think they, sh- they should just probably you know, be a silence, moment of silence for one game and, it's a, and then go back to what you got to do. Because you're already missing half a season right now. So. But it's Tommy, they'll get their money back. A moment of silence isn't going to do anything. We've had people take knees. Okay. The NBA is sitting out tonight. Uh, it was started by the Milwaukee Bucks. They're sitting out tonight in, in protest against uh, uh, the, the death of the, the unarmed man in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, by the police officer. And um, they're taking a strong stance. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, there's this talk about some games being postponed tomorrow as well. And, you know, I think the NBA is trying to make, uh, you know, uh, get people to take uh, be a little bit aware. And, uh these are not normal times, and I think they're trying to get somebody to, you know, to notice. And, and uh, you know, it's, I think I, I support them. Uh, I believe you might see some games canceled in Major League Baseball as well because of it. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with it, to be honest with you. Frank, I'd, I'd like to hear your take on it. I mean, clearly yeah. you're, uh, you're on the other side. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it, this is this – is, to me, this is a uh, a very good form of protest, a uh, good way to bring awareness. Uh, nobody has to complain about somebody taking a knee during an anthem. They're just going to say, you know what, we, we don't feel it's right to play tonight. It, it's time to think about something else other than sports. Yeah, I, I support that idea. I don't support the anarchy that uh, has gone on uh, post. Um, and it's very hard yeah. to see when, you know, you have to control – when you have a, have an assailant, you have you've got to get control, but you can't just let him let him walk away and get in mm-hmm. the car. The the problem was the guys should have used their taser instead of gun. And I think it's yeah. going to come back to hurt them very much. I think they're going to end up uh, with uh, legal legal problems. And you know, uh, I think the other thing, uh, Frank, and maybe you'd comment on this as well, and that is that uh, the long press conferences today that they had. Uh, uh, they so far have not released the video from the from the police side, and uh, right. that was the whole gist of the of the press conferences. Mm-hmm. If it's as cut and dried as they're saying, why would why would they say, well, we have to wait till we have more investigation before we release it, the video? That doesn't make sense to me. No, that's that's normal, John. They have to do an internal investigation. First of all, the the people that own the body cameras. When you buy body cameras, you don't really buy them. You buy a service, and they give you the, the unit to put on the guy's uh, chest. But then they review it every every single foot of tape. Whenever there's a question, they review it. Then mm-hmm. it has to go from their people to the internal investigate internal affairs division. Internal affairs has to take a look at it. Then that has to go to the commanding officer. The commanding officer has to review it then they have to all agree on that before they bring anything forward, and that's what's happening right now. It's not hey, Frank, you may know this situation. They went, um, almost a, they went almost a week and a half before they released it. Yeah, and, and that's not yeah. because it's just like uh, when you're doing a, uh, a, a recap on a, a, a touchdown. They'll look at it at every single angle, every single time, and they'll have other people take a look at it to come back and make sure. This is, this is somebody's life that we're talking about. Um, right. yeah, Frank, you may know this better than mm-hmm. me, but uh, I, I, there was a press conference just before uh, we came on the air for our show here that I was listening to, and I, I thought I heard, um, and I don't, know who, I don't know if it was the police chief of Kenosha, Wisconsin, the mayor, I can't remember who the official was, 
but I believe it was a, a law enforcement official um, because I thought he said that neither of the police officers involved in the shooting were was wearing a body cam and so that they don't have body camera footage of this. I may be wrong about that. Now I don't. Kenosha is yeah. not a, a real big town. They may not be able to afford it. They may not have. May, may not be something they mm-hmm. have. Do you know if if that's the case or not? No, I don't. It, it is expensive. Now, I thought you said that they didn't have body cameras on. Yeah, yeah that's but the first, I, that's first I heard that. I, I'm, I'm surprised if that were the case because they, uh, the, the original press conference, which I watched, was around uh, maybe 1 or 2 o'clock, and it went on for – they had everybody on. They had the mayor on. They had the police chief on. They had everybody on. And uh, as I said, there must have been 40 reporters there, microphones, and that was the biggest question they asked is why – are we getting a report? Well, Frank answered that question, but I, that's the first I've heard of uh, not having, I mean, I would have thought he would have said right, right away. Well, unfortunately we would love to be able to bring the, the uh, uh, visual aid to us, but we don't have it. I would have thought he would have said that. If they don't have it, Don, then that throws another wrinkle in it. You have to go to a, to a um, shooting team. And that's uh, usually uh, two or three of the, of the high ranking officers uh, a sergeant, and then uh, two uh, two patrolmen, and then you'd have a civilian, which would be an attorney. And they sit down and they take a look at it, and you know, and then they go probable cause. Does this happen? Does this happen? Does this happen? These are the steps that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. And that that could be if they don't have uh, body cameras, that could be one of the reasons trying to get that uh, shooting team together and get all the evidence. Forensics mm-hmm. crime lab, whatever you want to call it, goes out. And takes pictures. They take uh, measurements. They t- they count the shells. They look at everything. Then then they take a um, a rate infrared, and they project where they think that the the projectiles would have gone to, to see if if it would be exactly where the gentleman had his his uh, his pistol headed. Uh, and then they'll have to look for other evidence out there where there. You know, if there was one more than one shot fired, two shots fired, uh, they're going to have to look for uh, other evidence around there to figure out what's going on. So it is a long. You know, it's interesting, guys. No matter what, uh, no matter how you look at it, um, unlike you know all the unrest that we saw way back in the '60s, and we were all alive for that. Um, uh, you know, sports, unlike any other time in our history, has you know, kind of become very involved in some of these social issues. And, uh, um, you know, they're kind of at the forefront. It's almost like when something like this happens, uh, I don't know that everybody immediately turns to sports and says, okay, what's your reaction? But Mm -hmm. sports is willingly getting involved and and speaking out and speaking up and uh, taking a stance. And, uh, uh, you know, as as we're seeing it tonight with the NBA – you know, basically shutting down for the night, maybe for the rest of the week. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, it goes back to, you know, the Colin Kaepernick thing. And uh, whether you agree or not with his stance, um, it just seems like more and more sports is, is being turned to as, you know, kind of a, a bit of a barometer of, you know, where, where, do, where do we stand as a society, uh, you know, on this issue. And sports is kind of leading the way, which is, uh, I, I don't know that it's, it's sports place, but that's where we're at. No doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I read was the Kenosha, Wisconsin, like you said, it's not a big city. 
the population I understand from what I read was a hundred, it's a hundred thousand. And what I relate that to that Don and I are very familiar with, I lived in Hamilton township, New Jersey for 30 years. And uh, the, the population there a number of years ago was 95,000. So mm. I look at, wow, what, what Kenosha is, is like Hamilton township, maybe not as far as, area you know uh geographical area but uh, as far as population and you know and that really brings it into perspective you know you think about well that, that could happen in in my own my old hometown really well Good. roger i used to go to i used to go to kenosha quite often when uh, mr romney was the president of american voters because they made uh hudson's and nash cars and my dad had a dealership obviously as you know and so I used to yep. go out to Kenosha quite often to pick up cars and drive them in. And uh, it's not a very big, it's, it's really, it's, it's right between Chicago and, and uh, Milwaukee. And, and uh, it's not a very big uh, area at all. Uh, so, you, you know, the points that Frank made too, you, and you as well, you know, they may not have had the support of cameras. They may have had the financial uh, stability to have that type of thing. So I don't know, but it, it's just a small town. It's not a big Not a metropolitan city. No. Is it? Oh, okay. Closest thing is Green Bay. You'll go see the Green Bay games. <laughs> and Northwestern. <laughs> if you go if you go to you go towards Chicago, you'll see Northwestern play. <laughs> yeah. And you see the Packers play, and you see the and you see the Blackhawks play and yeah, that's the little sports town up there and that. They 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 love their sports up there, guys. I I tell you, I remember going to well, I remember going to Bucks games. That's all you see when, when the Bucks were in t- when when Green Bay's in town. The people were in the people were in their cheese heads. So give them credit for it that. Hasn't that hasn't uh, changed. It's gotten worse, probably. Probably gotten worse. That hasn't changed. Let me interrupt there for a second because we talked about we talked about the second we talked about the second half hour coming up, and Tom Lemayne is standing in the wings, ready to go. And I know he's going to talk a lot about the Flyers. As as always, Roy, we got into a lot of different things tonight off the world of sports, but always a pleasure to have you with us. Yes, and sir. We all have we all have different ideas, but we try to go in the same direction at once once in a while. That's right. That's right. Indeed, it's always it's always a good conversation. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. We'll do it hey, again. Hey, Roy, Thank you, Roy. forward next week. We'll talk about the NFL. Oh, Absolutely. Right. Oh, the chopper. Forward to that. The chops are ready. <laughs> it's hard to believe. It's all right, guys. Close. Have a good week. Let's let's bring you in because uh, you were one of the first ones to tell us early in the season about the goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers, a young 22-year-old, and what he was going to contribute to in the season, what he was going to contribute in the playoffs. And uh, your observations on today's game and the progress that he has made as as the season has unfolded. I think when I first told you that, he was 19. I said, (laughs) because he just (laughs) – he, he just became legal to drink. And, uh, you know, uh, you know I, what it really impresses me about him is that he is, he is way beyond his years. Uh, he is unflappable. He doesn't get uh, – um, nothing bothers him. He is such a very cool operator. Uh, Bernie Perrant told me that uh, he, he plays the net the way Bernie would like to have mm. his goaltender play the net. He doesn't come out mm. and take any crazy chances. 
He only plays the puck when absolutely necessary. And he is the reason that the Flyers um, have been successful so far. And all these close games, I mean, you know, it, it, it was that way during the regular season before it stopped. I think the Flyers led the league in, in overtime games. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't lead the league in overtime wins. But he is, um, today, he saved their bacon in more ways than one. And, 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 yet, and even though, you know, the 4 nothing uh, loss was, uh, I think the score belied the fact of uh, how, how the game really was. But, you know. That's exactly what I said earlier, Tom. I thought the exact same thing. I, you know, it was really a one nothing game. It delayed the third period. I, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like it was a four nothing blow away. Right. But you've got you've, you've got you've got a well. I mean, to me, uh, Barry Trotz is to my in my estimation has always been one of the top two or three uh, coaches in the National Hockey League. He I liked him when he had the job down in Nashville. He came into the, the Washington situation where you know they the caps were you know bridesmaids for about four years in a row and they had the talent he came in with the same talent that that team had for for like three or four years in a row and they failed to win the championship and he came in and won the championship with them and look at the job he's doing with the islanders i mean he is Mm -hmm. uh, of course when you're when you're working under Lou Lamarillo, you have to play the game the way Lou Lamarillo wants it to be <laughs> yes. played, and uh, you're 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 not going to have any eight six games. You're going to have scores like we've had recently, but uh, you know the 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 Flyers have met a real big challenge. I think this break in the uh, season has changed the whole balance in the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, in in the uh, in the round robin or the opening rounds or something, I should say, how many times we, when we talk about the March Madness that we say, you know, the biggest upset always seems to be 12 beating five. Mm-hmm. And, and that happened twice in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the opening rounds of uh, the National Hockey League when it finally got back to play. And That's in right. the case of the Montreal, the Montreal, you know, I said, well, how, how the heck did Montreal give the Flyers such a tough time? Well, if you remember, Montreal traded three of their starters and they just were ready to retool and these three guys of course uh, help the uh, the cap space for the canadians but you know as well as anybody that once you get guys who are were trying to make a spot on the team and get that opportunity they're going to play hellbent for leather and and that's mm-hmm. exactly the way washington played i mean the canadians played against the flyers in the first round and you know right. I, I see the uh, the similarities in, in this series that they're having with the Islanders. The, the, you know, I've always said, if you're not going to win the 50-50 battles, if you're not going to win the mucks in the corners and things like that, you're not going to win the game. And it just seemed like Washington, the Canadians were so fast, and they're a blitzing team, it just seemed like they had one or two extra players on the ice every time uh, because they were beating the Flyers to the pucks. And in many instances, it's happening – in this series with the New York Islanders, uh, they they just have to, you know. And today, I think the mistake they made was sitting on a three nothing lead, uh, mm-hmm. and they just exactly. let the Islanders keep coming at them and coming at them, and and finally, uh, you know, they tied the game. And and fortunately, uh, Phil Myers, undrafted defenseman, mm-hmm. and I remember telling Ron Hexel, "Where'd you find this guy?" He said, "Nobody else wanted him, so we took him." <laughs> <laughs> 
and they and and he's been he's been teamed with Sanheim, the five six back line, and uh, you know they're they're the second line with the uh, Flyers defense, but I would say they're one A. Ooh, hey Tom, I have a goaltender down. You can have him. You can have him, and also with a bag of soft pretzels. Andre Vavilovsky, <laughs> he he is worse than Doug Favelle and Wayne Stevenson combined. He, he, all those, I'm watching the game. He, he's flopping around, flopping and flopping over all the time. He's just saying, stay on top of it, guy. But he wasn't. He, you he can wasn't have doing that before the. He wasn't doing that before the break. Vavilovsky was no, one he, of the top, right. top two goaltenders in the league. I mean, he was right, he was unstoppable. That guy. Uh, you okay. know, like I said just a couple of minutes ago, right. I think the break in the uh, action, the break in the schedule, has uh, really uh, turned the tide on some of the uh, the teams and some of the players. And maybe Vasilevsky falls into that category. But uh, you know, I, I'll tell you what, no, I, <laughs> I I wouldn't be right. I wouldn't. If somebody offered me Vasilevsky, I said, Yeah. How much do you want for him? I, I would. <laughs> I would be too quick. I wouldn't be too quick to write him off. Tom LeMain, our special guest here in the second half hour. So uh, we're we're going from Tom LeMain back in Philadelphia. Or I guess you're down in Atlantic City, right, Tom? Exactly. Ooh, nice. Down in Atlantic hey. City. But anyway, uh, let's go back to Roger. I just want to reintroduce who we had on the air with us tonight. And uh, uh, Tom, of mm-hmm. course, has been associated with the Flyers for a long period of time. Sees every game in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, sits in uh, part time and takes care of the PA when necessary. Uh, so a great guy to talk to about what the Flyers are doing and what they're not doing. And uh, Roger, we'll let you get back in the picture. Well, I was just going to say Tom Lemayne is a legend. You figure, you know, he used to do a big uh, time radio show in the uh, old old WIP when it was music. He was the uh, morning weathercaster on CBS three. He was also uh, did sports on CBS three. He's a man of all seasons and a great guy. Tom, you know, you brought up Ron Hextall's name. And uh, do you (laughs) think that he's getting enough credit uh, for uh, what he he did to put together uh, some of these young players? No, I don't either. Absolutely. Absolutely not. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned one of them. I mean, nobody else wanted this guy Myers. Uh, and it, and the guy who's uh, he plays alongside, he, you know, the, all the young guys that are making their mark uh, on this team right now uh, that can be traced back to Ron Hextall when he was GM. And I, and I'm not, you know, I feel the same. Yeah, and I'm not saying. I mean, and I think I think the current GM is also doing a good job. He has filled in the pieces on this team that has really uh, made the uh, whole operation gel. And uh, I got to believe that um, my, my one of my favorite guys right now is number thirteen. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I liked him when he was with the Rangers, and I got to believe that Alain Vigneault liked him when he was with the Rangers too, when he was coaching him. And I got to believe that uh, Alain Vigneault put in his two cents uh, to uh, management to say, "Hey, can you can is there any way we can sign Kevin Hayes?" And, uh, you know, he might have been quiet early on in this uh, series, but he was all over the place today. And he does a lot. Of, he is one of the toughest guys to take to get to take away the puck from him. And he's a very smart player. He's casual. He's um, uh, and he's he's electric in, in, in the locker room. 
I've had players tell and me. He almost got a third goal today, Tommy. He, he had he yeah, had another he shot at this. <laughs> and uh, you're exactly right. He's been the star. And I we on the last half hour when we had Roy on with us. I said that I would have picked him as the first star today, not the second star. I would have picked him as the first star, and then go on to Myers as the second star. But they always pick the guy that scores the game-winning goal. I shouldn't say they always right. do, but a lot of times. So they always pick him as the first star. I to go ahead. To Roger's question, uh, yes, I, I do not believe that uh, Ron Hextall is getting his due with a lot of the young players that are on this team right now, uh, including the goaltender. And I, and I also have to give uh, Chuck Fletcher a lot of credit for bringing in guys like Niskanen and uh, number 61 when they got him from San Jose and, uh, and certainly, certainly bringing in Kevin Higgs. I mean, I, well, I love that guy. And uh, he, uh, he, was a, he was a big presence today. Well, I'll tell you, Tom, I, I love Kevin Hayes, too. And you and I talked about him before the, uh, the, the break. Uh, and and I, I he was really uh, really gelling uh, with that team and then, you know and I I think he's very uh, very underrated and I think that if there had not been a break he would have gotten a lot more credit and hopefully uh, you know he's going to get get some more credit now because he's a heck of a player and a terrific guy. Well, I said yes, you know um, you know is there any chance of getting him? And then when Alan Vigneault took the job, I said, I think there's a very good chance of getting him now, isn't there? And, of course, there was. And, uh, you know, I relate back to uh, several years ago. Uh, I don't remember. Rick, uh, Rick, Nick, Rick Walls was the broadcaster for the uh, Miami uh, Marlins. Back then, they were the Florida Marlins, I guess. And uh, I, I was questioning him about their catcher, J.T. Riomuto. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is before Riomuto got his his really rec- due recognition now and is probably going to sign that multi multi year contract. But I said, is there any chance of getting him? I mean, I, I just I, I not only is he the best catcher in baseball, he's one of the top five players in baseball. And right. and, and and you cannot whenever you're talking about a catcher, you're talking about to me outside of your pitching staff, the catcher is the most valuable player on the team. He's in on every play, and I think, Roger, you and I mentioned this a couple of times in the press box. You'll find that most of the most successful managers in baseball are former catchers, and Philadelphia has one right now. Philadelphia has one right now. The Chicago Cubs hired one, and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, look look at the run the San Francisco Giants had, and who was was their manager? A former catcher. Right. The, the the Phillies are so fortunate to have this guy. Give him anything he wants. I mean, I know it's, you know, they they don't usually, the catchers are very underrated and disrespected, I think, for the most part. But oh, he's yeah. given that position a lot of respect right now. You know, it's, it was like when you were when, when you were starting out in Biddy, uh, Biddy, uh, Little League or even before Little League. Uh, if you can't play baseball, we'll make you the catcher. <laughs> yeah, that's how yeah, bad right. it was, you know. Just, just stop the balls and throw them back to the pitcher. <laughs> well, a couple of points, Don, in that regard. First of all, uh, you know, I follow the Islanders pretty closely, too, because we get all our games, and, and so I see quite a bit of the Islanders as well as the Flyers. And George said when the break came, when they finally went back and went to work, he said, my job is not only to coordinate this team, but to have this team in the best shape of any team going into the playoffs. And I think that showed up today. 
they said repeatedly on the breaks and also during the second and third uh, periods that the Islanders' legs were going, the uh, Flyers' legs were going. They were they were losing ground. And I just think the Islanders were in better shape. They didn't win the game, mm-hmm. but I think they're in better shape. And number my second point, going back to what you're talking about, Ray Labuto, uh, I agree with last night's Phillies post game show. What the hell are these guys doing with one knee on the ground catching? How can you possibly not uh, not have pass balls go by you on both sides? There's no there's no movement one way or the other. If you've got your knee on the ground and all the catchers are doing it now, and the balls, these guys think that you can't catch anything. If it's a, if it's mm-hmm. a three feet off the uh, three inches off the plate, they miss it. Well, yeah. that that that, hap- that happens to be in vogue uh, these days. Right. Uh, you know. Uh, Why? You know, that's I, I what I want to know. Why? Uh, it's the thing to do. I mean, that's the style. That's what they're doing today. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> when you're, for instance, when 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 your starting pitcher is better than anybody you have in the bullpen, why take him mm-hmm. out of the game? I mean, you know, it's right. the thing now. We've got we got a seventh inning guy and an eighth inning guy, and you know, oh, I mean, so <laughs> they already play seven now, Tom. They, they don't play eight or well, nine yeah. anymore. They play seven. When they play two, when they play two. But you know, I you know, get back to the Flyers. You know, you're probably uh, on top of the Tampa Bay situation down there quite a bit. But when you look mm-hmm. at what the Flyers did in the round robin, they swept the three best teams. I mean, they they they, they swept Boston. Tampa Bay and Washington. Boom, bam, right. boom. Good morning, good night, good afternoon. And that, to me, was a pretty good you know, accomplishment. And uh, I, I just think that, uh, you know, you say, well, you know, Boston. Yeah, no, no. They shut. And you say, well, how come they're not getting scoring from uh, Couturier? And, well, maybe because they were spending a lot of time shutting down the hottest scoring line in hockey, the Boston Bruins' first line. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've always thought that when you're, you know, if you're a hockey player and you're out there checking, and I talked to Couturier about this long time ago, he was the guy who was always assigned to Ovechkin. He was always assigned to Crosby. And when you're, when you're using, you're expending at least 80% of your energy in shutting down the other team's best scorer. Hello, maybe you're not going to score a goal unless you know (laughs) the puck comes on your stick in front of the net, and uh, you know so you have to weigh what you think is more important: shutting down the other team, you know, uh, or or getting your front line to score. And I I would uh, you know I told Coots and I said uh, a long time ago I said do you think you're ever before they change coaches of course, and I knew the coach was not going to be back next year, and I said. Maybe you're going to be able to uh, to uh, show some of your offensive prowess in addition to, you know, without a doubt, my opinion, he's the sulky candidate without without question. Uh, and he, if he doesn't win that award, I'll be very surprised. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you have to draw a fine line between stopping the other team's best line and at the same time scoring on your front line. So where do you draw that line? That's a great question, Tom. Well, they draw from the, well they say, too, Tommy, you could comment. Tommy, you could comment a little bit on the fact that uh, a lot of these clubs now that have been very, very successful have been more successful because of the fourth line, uh, mm-hmm. because of the speed of the game and and the uh, and the way you have to play now. The fourth line becomes uh, much more valuable to you, and I think that's been proven this year more than any. 
Especially well, Don not only that, Don, but I think, I think the way they interchange anymore, I think uh, it's it's pretty hard to say what's your second line, what's your third line. I mean, uh, what, she's had Giroux play. I mean, uh, uh, Voracek playing on the third line for crying out loud the other right. And, and they've even they've even moved uh, Giroux down, and uh, and you know the the, uh, the Swiss Army knife, uh, Raffle, and uh, and uh, number twenty one. These two guys they can play on any line. So um, mm-hmm. I think the I think the the, gotcha. the the name of the line the name of the lines have blurred as far as and you're right, Don. Uh, teams who don't get production out of their fourth line are probably teams that aren't going to go very far. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's, it's the way everything is today with uh, sabermetrics and everything that uh, it's matchups, matchups, matchups. Well, yeah, and that's, uh, you know, uh, one of the things, <laughs> who has home ice advantage anymore because there's nobody in the, stand, in the stands. Well, to me, the biggest, the number one sport, that has it, the biggest advantage of home ice or home arena is hockey because mm-hmm. you've got exactly. the last chance to put your players in there that you want. And Don, you mentioned the matchups. You've got the you've got the uh, advantage of putting guys in there you want to put in there once you find out who the other coach has put in there. And uh, right. you know, and if little things like you know the visiting team has to be the first. The first uh, guy to put the blade on the ice on a face-off and things like that. They're little. Uh, that's a little thing, but um, when you talk about home ice advantage, uh, or home field, or home arena advantage, uh, it begins and ends with hockey. One of the difficulties, though, Tom, I, 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 I think, think if you look at it statistically, you you find out that if you, it, I, I have no numbers to back it up, but if you score the first goal of a game whether it's the playoffs or what, your chances of winning that game are far higher than if you than you don't. I don't know what that number is, but it's pretty high. Well, also you would think that if you had a three nothing lead, <laughs> you know you're not you're not going to go into overtime. Uh, no, you'd walk home. The plane right. right. games are being played. You know, three goals today is a luxury. Especially sure in, the way the, in in the way the Flyers have uh, come up against uh, Canadians and, and, and the Islanders. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, uh, and I really – somebody said to me, oh, I can't watch the games because there's nobody there. I haven't missed that one bit. I mean, it's, it's terrible. It, you know, would, how bad would it be if the Flyers win the Stanley Cup and nobody's there to see it? I mean, that, yeah. that'd be terrible. <laughs> oh, no. But uh, it, 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 I just um, – home ice or home field, I, when it comes to football – I remember Andy Reid when there was a question about a play and he was he had his hand on that red hanky. He would look up at that big scoreboard and he if he kept looking at that scoreboard, that was the cue for somebody to play that game, that play over and over and over again until Andy was ready to make a decision as to whether it's a play or not. That's home field advantage. And that, that, that operator that that scoreboard operator he had his eyes on Andy Reid. And if Andy was still staring at that scoreboard, you better run that play again so Andy can make his decision. <laughs> and that, that's definitely a home field advantage in that regard. That yes, is, is definitely home field advantage. Yes, it is. Getting back to hockey, Tom, 
you know, the lightning rate is zero, 0, Tampa Bay and Boston. This is 15 minutes, five minutes going in the period right there. But we just take the lightning's third line. Yanni Gord in the center, there's a couple of other guys in there. That, that was the reason Lightning won that won that game the other night. You know, we should have won game number game number one over there. But I think right now Lightning's playing some great hockey right now. And the key is Vavileski. I know not my favorite goaltender. And Kucherov, not my favorite player. But if they could step up big time, if they play a brand, brand a pointer, pointer, play a Brandon Point, it's been spectacular. Tom, he's going to be a next super superstar in this league. I, I I can I can go along with that. Um, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's hard to to determine who is better because we don't see a lot of the teams out west. I mean, uh, right, right, right. St. Louis. I mean, Craig, the chief, has lost five of his starters for crying out loud. So they, you know, he's really mm-hmm. having a, a tough time. You know, trying to advance in the playoff. You know, because he's, he lose five starters. That's that's it. You know. Vegas is still, to me, the cream of the crop out there. Uh, now you get surprising teams like uh, Vancouver, and uh, you know. So, and, and I think a lot of these teams, as I said before, have take have become a different team ever since the break. And mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to judge. Uh, I mean, can you imagine uh, Johnny Goodrow? And, and you know, I said, well, if he's available this year, why not get him? You know, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, Johnny Hockey, can you imagine if he had played in a big metropolitan area, how big a star he would be? Wow. And, uh, mm-hmm. and since he's a local guy, you know, I would like to see him uh, be a member of the Flyers. I mean, what's he, 20? He's, he still looks like he's 12, but I think he's about 26, <laughs> 27 years old. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good years left in Johnny Goudreau, and he's a local kid, and I, uh, I, I would uh, – but, see, there are guys – and most hockey fans don't get a chance – to see these players out there, and uh, and uh, if it wasn't for the re the rescheduling of uh, mm-hmm. I, I call it the Gretzky rule that m- nobody was able to see Gretzky back when he was playing for Edmonton and eventually for mm-hmm. L.A. and they finally said right. now no the schedule now you have to be able to see every team in your town and uh, right. that's the way the schedule is and it kind of dilutes your your uh, I understand the thinking behind that. But it kind of dilutes your rivalries here, you know, in your division. I mean, I remember right. telling Ed Snyder one time when the when the uh, we had a work stoppage, and when Ed was still associated with the uh, Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, I said, I guess when we get down when we get back to playing again, you're gonna you're gonna lop off a couple of teams. He, oh, what do you mean? I said, well, <laughs> you know, there's too many games with Columbus, and there's too many games with Carolina, and well, yeah, but Tom, they 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 paid their way into the league and. They're legitimate franchises. I said, I agree. But do you realize, Ed, that last year the Flyers did not play the Rangers in Philadelphia until March? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, is that true? I said, yeah, the Rangers didn't come here until March. And, mm-hmm. well, Ed, since Ed was a very influential uh, owner, I mean, he was he had a lot to do with the scheduling and everything. Well, next time, next year, next year. The, the Flyers played the Rangers two more times. And the first game was in April. I mean, uh, well, I mean, I mean, October. I mean, so. Well, you know, I think Tommy. Uh, the other thing, the other thing, Tommy, is that uh, as these playoffs continue, probably one of the poorest things, all told, is the fact that whether it be the Flyers and you know they love to see them playing at home because 
you know, at home crowd when you go to Wells Fargo Center or Wells, uh, I mean, it's tremendous. And mm-hmm. So if you're in Boston, if they're in the finals, or if you're in Detroit, they're in the finals, or you're in Chicago, they're, I mean, it's a different atmosphere. <laughs> Philadelphia, I mean, you imagine what that would mean to this team if they were to get to the Stanley Cup finals and be playing at the Wells Fargo Center as opposed to oh, playing boy. at a, a non-playing rink. Well, yeah, I agree, but you know we have, you know, it, it is what it is, Don, at, at the expense of saying that. And I think uh, hockey players, being a different breed of any other athlete of the four major sports, um, they, you know, I, I know they feed off the crowd and everything like that, and they'll tell you that. But the bottom line is, who's going to play better without the crowds? And uh, mm-hmm. I, I really think that. Uh, the uh, the fact that no crowds are in the arenas in uh, Toronto and out in Vancouver, I think, uh, kind of evens the playing field for all teams. I think you're right about well, that, Tom. Just, just saying, you know, with the, with the Lightning down here, first of all, in 1993, this team was born, number one product in the, the whole Tampa Bay market up there. It's just amazing. We have a great owner, Jeffrey Vinnick, um, a great marketing support staff under and the Jeffrey Vinnick in that, and, and, and this team is loved by the by the fans and the, and the people of the Tampa Bay area. It's, it's just a privilege to still be working for about 20 years now. Well, it's it, it's a it, it's a credit to you, to that what you're talking about. I mean, uh, <clears throat> Florida, the hotbed of hockey that it is now. But you know, I, it, the year that there were no, for the first time ever, there were no Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yet there were two California teams and two Florida teams. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Which and, and, uh, yeah, and, and I, 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 I give a lot, and it's, and it's a tribute to the fans down there. I mean, I, I've been to uh, to Flyers games down in Tampa Bay, and that popular uh, that popular uh, watering hole across the street from <laughs> from the arena, and oh, oh, you know, oh. and, and especially when Tampa Bay came into the league. And, and I was still traveling with the Flyers. I think in their first five years, they played in three different arenas. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yes. And one, and one, of them, one, one was, one the, was ex- the Expo Hall. No, one of them was two yeah. clicks yeah. short. Two clicks short and of the Cow Palace. I mean, well, yeah, that, that was yeah, the well, that was the Expo, the, and then the, they went to the Dome, and then went went to uh, then they went to the Amelie mm-hmm. Arena now. Right, but right. that first place they were at. I mean, it was oh, so God. small that the guys had the exercise bikes outside. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was really, I said, I can't believe they're going to play hockey in here. Uh, it, it Mr. Esposito, Mr. Esposito will tell you about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. But so that's, that's a tribute that they went through. They went through having to play in uh, three different arenas in the first five years of their existence. Uh, and, uh, you know, Espo, I guess had a lot to do with that, to keeping that all together down there. Yes, he does. He's a great guy to come on this program. Where, where was that? Times. Where was that arena, Tom? Oh, the, in, in the middle of nowhere. It was on, I'll tell you where it was. It was on an Indian reservation. <laughs> yeah. It was at the fairgrounds. At the fairgrounds. Fairgrounds, yeah. Yeah. And the casinos <laughs> across the street from I, the from the arena. I never saw anything like that with guys on the exercise bikes outside the arena because there was no room inside the arena. And uh, so it's a tribute 
to Tampa Bay and uh, and their uh, their ownership and, and the direction they got from guys like Espo uh, to make that a very successful franchise down there. Well, Tommy, as you look forward to tomorrow night the at uh, six o'clock. Well, what, the what do you think about the? What that? Oh, that's well. I said, yeah, that reminds me of like the old Philadelphia Arena, set had for hockey six thousand people, and you know, and remember the uh, uh, the the benches were up uh, raised up on the uh, platform. Well, uh, there was a situation when uh, the. the when I was doing Sixer games with Bill Campbell, the uh, New Orleans Jazz <laughs> were in New Orleans, and they kept waiting for the Superdome to be built. Uh, we're going to mm-hmm. be in there next year, the year after, whatever. Mm-hmm. So every time we went to New Orleans, we never knew where the games were going to be played. And mm-hmm. one time it was played at uh, Tulane University, and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the basketball court was, was elevated. And the uh, the Players Association had a problem with that. And so they agreed to put a netting around the, um, the basketball court so the players would not fall off, <laughs> fall off the court because it was, it, was elevated <laughs> about two, it was elevated about two feet. Well, that's fine. Well, there were a couple of those arenas, Tommy. There were a couple of those arenas. I think Vanderbilt however, was that way, too. Yeah. But, however, we had to televise the game. I, obviously, I was, we're televising the game, and the cameras were on the other side of this netting. So, and I'm not talking about the stuff they use now—the protective netting in baseball and right. hockey, mm-hmm. where you can't even, you can't even tell there's a net there. This was coarse rope. I mean, and I, <laughs> I had to most of the time I was spending on the air was explaining to the folks at home: do not adjust your television sets. We are televising this game from behind rope. It was the worst the broadcast uh, you know uh, it could possibly have. And then we went to the uh, convention hall. We played there a couple of games, and uh, uh, it's a shame when when New Orleans finally got itself together as far as arenas go. Uh, the, the the franchise had to go to Utah, uh, but the only mistake they made was taking the nickname with them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, he's talking about Tommy, let me ask you this: We got, uh, you got, you got the Flyers coming right back tomorrow at six o'clock uh, against the Islanders. Now, you know you're talking about a quick turnaround for any sport, much less hockey. How do you, what do you foresee tomorrow night with both teams from a conditioning standpoint, and what type of game are we going to see coming back of that shorter rollover? Well, I don't. I, uh, yeah, it's hard to say, but I don't think there's going to be much more scoring than we've had. Um, I, um, I just think that you know, hockey players are first of all they're the best conditioned players in any yes, sport, anywhere, anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you know, injuries that hockey players sustain would keep the, would keep the normal human being out of action for a couple of months. This guy goes into the locker room for a couple of minutes, gets a couple of stitches, and comes right back out again. So uh, I, I just uh, – I, to me, Don, I'll tell you, for some reason, I always thought – you know, everybody says, well, game five is a big game, of course. But I always thought that – I always paid attention to game three, especially mm-hmm. when the series is tied. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, uh, you know, if – and it's been proven that whoever scores the first goal has has some kind of an advantage, don't they? I don't know why that is. Right. I mean, I, 
if, if only because it seems like the team that is on the other end of that goal being scored uh, plays a different kind of, of game, and so mm-hmm. does the team that scored the goal. And uh, but if you're if you're the Flyers, you've got to match the Islanders foot for foot and pace for pace and muck for muck, and you can't let them beat you on the fifty fifties. You know when you're when you're going for when the puck is there to be grabbed by either team, you've got to grab that puck. And uh, I uh, I think that uh, whoever wins tomorrow night, uh, to me, I think in this series particularly, it's a it's a big bonus and. Uh, the Flyers just can't. If they get that lead, they can't do what they did today, Don. You you can't. Right. You, you could see them. You could see them playing back. You know, and I always say, you know, get, you know, dance with the girl who brought you there. You know, and if you if you whatever you were doing to get a three nothing lead, keep doing it. Right. You know. Exactly. And, and don't back off on it. And I'm sure Alain Vigneault is addressing that right now, if he hasn't already mm-hmm. right after the game, uh, to say, you know. We uh, we did what we wanted to do. We went out and got that early lead, but we let them get back in the game. And the way the Islanders are playing right now, you know, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, they may be, uh, you know, if if Montreal scared the hell out of you, uh, these guys are really a dangerous a dangerous hockey team right now. And you, you can't give them any core because you give them an edge, they'll take a yard. You know, and I just think that's the way Barry Trotz has this team playing right now. And to me. As I said earlier, Barry Trotz is one of the top two or three uh, uh, coaches in all of hockey. I just love that guy. He's a good mm-hmm. guy. He uh, he he gets along well with all the players. He he doesn't dime out any of the players. He he almost gives the players a feeling that he's like a member of the team playing out there. And uh, he uh, and Alan Vigneault, I mean, uh, between him and Trotz. They're two top contenders for the for the Adams Trophy this year, I believe. Tommy, we got to make the turnover that. now. We got uh, Doug sitting on the line, waiting to jump in, and and I want to thank you very very much for joining yes, us. Thank I you, so uh, Good. Hope hope you'll join us again next week for a little bit because uh, we'll be further into the playoffs and we'll know where the Flyers are at that point. And I agree with you about Trotz. I also agree with you about the general manager because. Lou was a genius when he was in New Jersey. He took Toronto, which was the worst team in the league, and turned them around. And now he goes into the Islanders and brings in a great coach, puts together a great system, and he's right back up at the top again. So you're right. Those two guys, they know what they're doing. Yep. And I remember when uh, Lamarillo was with the uh, Devils, how much did the Philadelphia fans hate the Devils? You're playing that oh, game, yeah. game every It was the most boring hockey you can play. Well, that's because they couldn't get over the red line. There was the red line was the red line was a picket fence. You couldn't get by it. <laughs> and it was the Tommy. Thank way. you very much. Yes, thank you. I hope we get together Tom, next take week care. again. I look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks. You got so much. it. I'll be looking forward to it myself. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Roger. Take hey, care. Thank you. Thanks, Don. Take care. So. Doug is Doug is waiting in the wings. We uh, we didn't get a yeah. chance, obviously, last week to talk to Doug with all the great <laughs> golf that was going on, and what's going to come up this weekend as well as uh, mm-hmm. we look forward to the FedEx Cup. And uh, Doug, first of all, uh, how was how was your week off? You didn't, you didn't get a chance to join us. We didn't get a chance to join yeah. you. Right. Yeah, I was I was telling Frank when when he uh, passed me through. Um, we, we we're closed for uh, greens and tee box airification this week. So um, I've I've been off. I told him 
as of Saturday, I had worked 18 of the first 22 days in uh, in August with junior camp and just you know club championship stuff going on. So, um, you know, looking forward to um, a few days off. I've been off since Sunday, which has been really super nice to you know start to get settled a little bit into the new house here and, and get you know some things crossed off the list that I've been meaning to do. And um, so it, it's been nice. It's really been nice to. Uh, not have to adhere to a specific schedule of, you know, be here at this time or, you know, traveling or, you know, whatever. Um, and so it's, it's been nice to just kind of be at home and, and figure some things out again. So you needed the break. All the work at was, home, but did you get a chance to see uh, Dustin Johnson just have a few good holes this weekend? Did you get a chance to, <laughs> did you ever see anything yeah. like that in your life? Man, he um, he tore that field up. He was thirty under par, boy. Yeah, oh. uh, you know I was fooling here. Just there's really nothing on TV, and and I and I refuse to watch ESPN anymore. Um, I'm I'm done with that. <laughs> so I'm uh, I was watching uh, a little bit of the Golf Channel here, and Phil Mickelson was twenty two under. Was that three rounds of golf? They they he won the the senior his first senior event. Um, so right. He, he, he played pretty well. Um, but th- for these guys, I mean, Dustin Johnson shot 60 his first round and, and obviously followed that up with, with several other rounds in the 60s. So, I mean, he just, you know, I don't know. I guess certain golf courses fit people's, you know, eyes and, and ball flights and, and games. Uh, you know, from time to time, I guess you catch these guys where they're playing incredibly with their ball striking and they're making everything and, and that's what you get i mean 30 under par for four rounds i mean mathematically is seven and a half under per round i mean you know, right that's like that's like video game stuff right there but so you know a lot more about golf than i do but i don't ever yeah. remember a couple of things I'd, i've never seen in my life one was on the baseball field last night when a guy stole mm-hmm. second third and home <laughs> i'd never yeah. seen that in, in one inning but anyway, let's yeah. get back to golf. Hold on. Guys, update, update in Toronto. Tampa Bay 2, Boston, nothing. 6.43, go to period. Yanni Gord, score to go. Andre Paul, I get you up. Update in, mm. in Toronto. Okay. <laughs> uh, getting back to Dustin Johnson, have you, have you ever seen a tournament, and as I say, Doug, you know a lot more than I do, where yeah. we're there were two players shoot under right. uh, a 59 rank round. How many have you ever? Heard? I never saw a tournament or read about no. a tournament where two players shot 59, and that would have happened. Uh, unfortunately, Dustin missed that putt on the 18th hole. Yeah, um, I, I watched him. He had about a 22, 23 foot or something like that uh, to shoot his 59, and and um, you know he he just missed it. But I mean it was. Obviously, to get to that point and have that, you know, that kind of an effort and and the opportunity to to do that. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, we've seen sports is is finicky like that. You know, you'll you'll go weeks, months, years, and not see anything that's, um, you know, just you know, noteworthy, so to speak. It's it's pretty ho hum. Then all of a sudden, you'll see a guy, you'll have two no hitters in the same night, or you'll have you know, something goofy that happens and it just, it's sports is just so amazing. Um, you know, in, in terms of what these guys can do on a, 
on a given night. And that's why we all tune in to, to see how incredible these athletes are right. and, and, and the, the skill set they have. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of caught the tail end of what, you know, you guys were talking about with hockey and, you know, this year I've, I've watched a little bit of hockey and uh, the Islanders, you know, dismantled the Capitals. They smothered them on defense and they was just minus that one game that the Capitals won. I mean, the Islanders played really good hockey and uh, they were, you know, the, the Capitals did a lot of dumb things with, with penalties and, and saw themselves, you know, a man or two men down at, at various points in time. And yeah. uh, on the other side, the, the Islanders, their penalty killing lines, um, you know, skated well and, and they just, you watch some of the passing and, and the caps just looked really lethargic. They didn't really, you know what I mean? M- minus the one game, I think where they came out, came out and scored in the first minute. They just really didn't look uh, that excited to be there. They were pretty ho-hum. And, and like uh, the previous guy had mentioned with, with the coach of the Islanders, I mean, he, he's a phenomenal coach and how he got out of Washington, we'll never know, but um, gosh, you know, there's so many amazing things that happen on any given, any given night, you know? So it's, it's fun to watch. No question about that. Tommy, Tommy, you tell me how the uh, – and Doug as well and Roger. How could the Capitals go with this, the best scorer technically in the National Hockey League? Doesn't take a shot in the entire regulation of the, of the final game and two right. shots in the overtime. How is that possible? Oh, it's very easy possible because hmm. Ovechkin's not a defensive player. He's, he's – Blue line, the blue line. They take every time he goes up with a thing. People key on him about trying to get the mm-hmm. puck away from him, the defensive. But hopefully, had a yeah. bad, bad series and goal. Is Washington a lot of questions for Washington next year? Wow, too many questions for that hockey team. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But those shots, Tommy, zero didn't take a shot. Tommy, how do you do that? You're, you're the number one player. Well, I tell you, there's a lot of number one player, but he's one of the number one players in the National right. Hockey League. Great, you have to be great defense on it, Don, because just right here, the defenseman would, would give him the blue line, they'd be up, up tight with him after he crosses the blue line, and give right. it, credit to the Washington, D, get credit to the, the defense, and that's the whole credit about that, but what, Doug, will Vets can come back to Washington next year? We have hope he'll yeah. come back. Uh, of course he will. Good. I mean, the, you know, to, to, make, to make Don's point, I mean, the, again, I, I don't really know that much about, about hockey, but I can tell you you know, you look at the Capitals and their different lines, and they, they're very high-powered, you know, scoring team with, with a lot of their stars. I mean, right. uh, Kuznets, Kuznetsov and Ovechkin, um, that guy Verona can, can skate with anybody. Um, you know, Tom Wilson mm-hmm. uh, chips in. Uh, you know, Carlson's yeah, a great does. defender who can, who can score. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, they, they just – they have so many options, and, and the Islanders just stifled them with – being more physical and, and, and playing good defense and, and kind of clogging up a lot of those lanes and you didn't really see. And when I watch hockey, you know, granted, again, I don't know that much about it, but the crisp nature of a lot of their passes and you see these guys that skate in and they cut and they hit these guys and they get easy goals and, uh, you know, they set people up in these one-timers and they get their, their penalty options and, and it just they just never really – and they just didn't do anything, you know. They just they, they played the games, and they just could not get anything going. Um, and I think that led to a lot of frustration. And um, again, I don't I don't know the actual statistics, but I would I would assume. I mean, the Islanders did very well on, on their penalty, uh, being being you know uh, their advantages that they had and, and scored on those um, several times mm-hmm. that I saw. So um, 
you know, congratulations to them. And, and um, you know, I kind of flipped a little bit watching some of the Orioles. Um, you know, they're <laughs> hanging right around, you know, 500 and, and are, you know, kind of exciting to watch again. And uh, we got we got some big uh, sporting events coming up here. I'm really excited about uh, the announcement of the Kentucky Derby field uh, coming up here shortly. And, mm. um, you know, we've got, uh, you know, a short season in baseball where you, we're, mm. we're about halfway through. Um, you know, looking at some of these things, and you'll get to a, a trade deadline, and you'll see a little bit of movement there with some players. And we've got, uh, you know, football's what uh, two, two, three weeks away, two and a half weeks away. Uh, we've already yeah. in, internally at uh, at my job started talking about our fantasy football draft, and, and <laughs> I'm starting to think about, you know, what what players to uh, to possibly key on here. And, and I've been watching a lot of the. Um, NFL channel to see their their training camp uh, specials they do with uh, either players getting hurt or or how they're transitioning from you know no pads to pads to different mm-hmm. you know new coaches and coordinators and all these different things and how that mm-hmm. um, obviously is going to uh, make an adjustment um, you know you see Patrick Mahomes who who signed a freaking half a billion dollar contract and uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of these players that have changed teams and you still have your old standbys with uh, Drew Brees and you had Philip Rivers changing the team and Tom Brady and all these different things. So it's, you know, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up here and I'm I'm, I'm super excited to uh, key into the fall here. The fall is the best time of the year. So it's hard to believe we're, we're mm-hmm. there almost, you know, at Labor Day here, but, yeah. you know, um, yes. you know, there's still lots of good stuff to watch. Hey, Roger. I, yeah, I want to talk about the uh, since you're the NFL. The uh, there was a lot of talk about the Ravens uh, having fans at the game. Um, mm-hmm. Has any decision been made about that? Because that's obviously if one team does it, the all the teams mm-hmm. are going to wind up doing it. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I've I haven't really um, you know now now that I've moved and I'm kind of removed, if you will, from a lot of the Baltimore. Um, local stations and and things like that. Um, you know, most of what I see um, has regard to the Washington football team um, and and the channels that I get here. Rest assured, though, I do have Direct TV and I will be watching the NFL Sunday Ticket because I'm not going to get stuck watching the Washington football team. I can tell you that. <laughs> Why not? Are you? Uh, let me let me interrupt, Doug, for just a second. Are, are you on yeah. that film that Mr. Snyder? Uh, had had some of his people in the in the organization do. Are, are you in that film today? I saw a lot of it on the news. No, there's there's still discussion surrounding mm. um, you know different things <laughs> that have occurred over the years. Um, <laughs> you know, so it you know there's there's verification as to those um, transgressions, so to speak, of in, individuals that worked. Uh, and he was Snyder. up for the he was up for the next president of Liberty University too. I can't believe that. Right. Mm-hmm. Probably was, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> him, him and Falwell. Yeah. <laughs> One two punch right there. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Punch. Oh. Commissioners. Maybe. I don't know um, if you guys maybe. Saw the commissioner's statement about that today. <laughs> you know he didn't well, mention the team, but you know what he was talking about. <laughs> you know, Don. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe Tammy Faye Baker can be the secretary. 
Oh, <laughs> That's going back two years. Right. Well, two years. Looking, Roger, he, he's a lot older than we are, Roger. We don't remember that. Know, you're right. You're right. right. Oh, I tell you. It's been a fun mm. game watching this hockey game, Doug. We're up 2 nothing or less than a minute to go in the period. So we're, we're mm-hmm. playing great. We're off to a great start against Boston up there and that. And is the fans, are the fans getting into what can the Ravens do this year football-wise? Well, I mean, to, you know, to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Roger's point, I, I honestly don't know what the scenario for uh, a fan base is going to be regarding football games mm-hmm. and if they're going to allow them uh, into there or not. Um, you know, I, I had an opportunity to buy some PSLs and, and season tickets um, before all this pandemic started. Uh, probably a year, year and a half ago, and it was a great deal. But I just I realized at that point in time that um, you know, although a good investment, I couldn't see myself you know going to eight plus games um, a year when mm-hmm. you know, frankly, it's it is it is a spectacle if you if you if you do it right uh, to to watch it from the comforts of your home and uh, you know not have to worry about the the hustle and bustle of traffic and parking and, and, and bathrooms and food and beers and, you know, all that kind of stuff uh, when you can take care of that yourself. And, and although that atmosphere to watch a football game to me is, is incredible with whether it's a flyover or just, you know, the, the, the loud nature of the fans and, and the, the uh, some of the intricacies of being in the stadium itself. And I love cold weather and watching football and all that stuff. And if I can recreate that once or twice a year uh, through, you know, maybe one of the members that, that take me there or, or something like that. It's, it's a phenomenal experience. Um, but I wouldn't want to do it, you know, eight plus times a season and, you know, go through all that. So, um, you know, when you pack that uh, stadium full of 50, 60, 70,000 fans, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously in the, in the midst of what we're talking about, I don't necessarily think that's a great idea, um, but no. it remains, it remains well, to be seen because I mean, obviously, well, I mean, they, they have a lot of things, I think, to work out, um, whether they're going to uh, pay these people back or extend them another year. Or I, I really don't know how the, the financial aspects of that are going to come to fruition here. But, um, you know, I, I stands the reason that we're going to play football this year. Um, I think right. there are mm-hmm. uh, di- different uh, measures they're taking to uh, control the spread of this uh, amongst the teams and facilities and those sorts of things have – uh, panned out. I mean, you see a lot of the uh, ticker tapes on the bottom that say they've administered, you know, 20 some thousand tests and so and so, and they've been good. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think, as I've mentioned, the, the, the flu season is going to complicate this, I think, a little bit, and, and we'll see. Oh, boy, but, yeah. uh, um, you know, I remain hopeful that we can make it through the end of our golfing season and then see what happens in the, uh, the fall and the winter with this um, moving forward. And then maybe we can get off to a good start in, in 2021, um, which maybe we can call normal, but we don't really know what that even is in anymore. So, you know, somewhat. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Well, it's time to get flu shots. Hard to believe. And we're still in the summer. So. Roger, can we talk about that next week, please? Frank, to say tick, 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 tock, we're up against the clock again. So uh, that was a, that was a quick, that was a quick hour and a half. Roger, thank yeah. you for coming on. Uh, thank you for coming on. Oh, Doug, listen, it was a pleasure thank you. coming I didn't on. Know it was going to be an hour and a half. I'm sorry about that. Oh 
no yeah. problem. I just have, have a, good a special week. assignment I get to take tonight. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, fellas, take it easy. Thank have you. a good week. We'll get together week. next week. Yes, sir. Okay. Frank, Don't as usual, you're the man. You're the master commander. Thank you. And that's, take Frank, care of that good family, Frank. Thank you, Thank sir. God bless you. God, God bless you and God bless my family, your family. God bless you guys and great job as always. And I'm going back to cheering the lightning for a victory no matter what happens, Frank. God bless you. Have a beautiful week. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the women police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please let them know that you know they're there. Shemalek ma yilama Shemahezah yilama Sunashenevoratfet Hakuigaget ma yilama Be advised, 1999 has responded to his last emergency. May God rest his soul.